And coming up next on to a new RFM, Thursday Finance with Barry Preston joining me, Jane Klein. We're going to find out the latest from Centrelink, our Centrelink contact, Diane Jones. And we'll have a market snapshot with Henry Jennings. Take a look at the commodities and Barry Preston. Well, SPC seems to be on its feet again. Interesting sort of uh, result, isn't it? I wonder, was it in the original point where they wanted taxpayer assistance that uh, that may have been the easy way out instead of looking for other alternatives? And I believe a suggestion came from a, a local, uh, I don't know how it was, was it on Facebook or something I like that? I think it might have been or a Twitter? Facebook thing. There was or Twitter something. or something like that? Um, and, and how it developed into the way it did. I mean... Uh, it, it seems an excellent result. Now, I wonder, are there any more excellent results like that that could come from uh, a bit of common sense somewhere along the line? But uh, it may have been the easy way out to ask for taxpayer assistance. I, never, I, I have no idea. That's purely a matter of opinion, but I don't know. So it seems uh, encouraging people to have peaches, SBC peaches and ice cream once a week seems to have well, at I least focused people's minds. <laughs> Absolutely. And just see company. that, hey, this is, uh, we, we need assistance for Australian uh, companies. And or, consumers well, can do it. <laughs> we certainly can. Anyway, that's, uh, could we call that people power? Let's have a look at the gold. Gold's up $69, uh, uh, 1518 Australian dollars per ounce. Silver, $23.74. Very little change on that over the week. Uh, copper fell out of bed, $607 down, nearly uh, nearly 10%, actually, approximately 10% over the week, to 7257 So that was a big drop on copper. We'll have a look at that with Henry, actually. There's some comments on that one. Nickel went the other way. It went up $383, or 17357 Tin down $419 to 25530 so there's been a bit of uh, turmoil in the commodities over the week. In coal, not so much coal, but certainly iron ore. We'll have a look at that with Henry. Currencies, mm, interesting. We've become a little bit stronger against the Australia, US, the uh, British pence, the yuan rinminbi, a Chinese currency, but the others dropped down a bit. The US dollar, we're 89.9. That's up half of one percent, and uh, well, not quite half of one percent. The British pence is up. Point mm, zero zero five of one British pence. The yuan rinbi that was the similar sort of thing from five point four eight yuan rinminbi to five point five three, which is point zero zero five. Not a lot, but uh, a small uplift there for the Australian uh, currency. The New Zealand dollar dropped half a cent. Uh, we only get 105.5 New Zealand cents to our Australian dollar at the moment. Last week we got 106, so uh, we've weakened against the New Zealand currency, and also we've weakened against the euro. We got 65.4 euro, 65.4 euro cents last week. We're getting 64.7 now, and the biggest mover was the Canadian. Uh, up nearly a cent from 99 to a dollar. We're on parity with the Canadian dollar at the moment. And if you're heading off to South Africa, you'd probably get approximately 9.722 rand to your Australian dollar. The markets all week over the week. How's that? All week or over the week? Our market... Are uh, they week? A week, yeah. <laughs> over the week, they're weaker. Closed uh, 5,400 or down 87 points. The USA Dow down 20 points, not much of a movement there, to 16,340. The NASDAQ down 34 points to 4,323. The FTSE down 155 to 6,620. The Japanese Nikkei 
Might as well have stayed there. It only dropped uh, 67 points, which is not much when it's 14,830. The Hang Seng was probably the biggest mover, down 687 points to 21,901. Interesting when we look at our oil, our petrol. The American uh, barrel, they they usually say 97.99 dollars for the American barrel. That's equivalent to 108.91 Australian. That's down $3.57 over the week. That's Australian dollars, the 108.91. And the Australian uh, oil, 126.9, that's down $1. Now, it's funny when the we talk about this quite a lot, the price of petrol's gone up. Yet when I look back over my figures, there has been very little movement. In actual fact, if we look at the price on the 5th of February, it was 127.11 Australian dollars for an Australian barrel of oil, 126.9. Yet we've seen some big jumps in the price of uh, petrol at the Bowser. Our average petrol in Newcastle unleaded is 162.8, which is 1.6 cents ahead from what it was last week. And the Central Coast is down 0.8. Eight of one cent to 162.1. Diesel in Newcastle, very little change there, 161.4. In the, on the Central Coast, it never moved, 162.1. Sydney dropped 11.8 cents per litre for unleaded to 150.9, and the diesel didn't move much. So looking at it from figures, the currency has really had little effect on the petrol price and the actual US petrol price for Australian that comes from Singapore has had little effect. Yet there's been some big movements at the Bowser. Well, I wonder only, why. It was only a week or two ago, wasn't it, that the Sydney price jumped about 11 cents and now it's gone back down again. Well, Sydney jumped last week from the week before 13.5 cents yep. and now it's gone back 11.8 cents. So I wonder what it must be the temperature. Hang on, what I know what it is. I've got it. I've got it. Climate change. Thursday Finance on 2NURFM, 25 past 12. Our market snapshot now, Barry, and we're joined by Henry Jennings. And, of course, comments made during our program are for general discussion. You must always seek your own advice and a product disclosure statement should be obtained and considered before obtaining a financial product. Staff associated with Pritchard and Partners or BBY stockbrokers may hold or trade shares in companies mentioned on this program. Pritchard's Financial Services Licence, 246712, BBY 238095. Henry, the big news of the week is the fall in iron ore prices. What happened? Well, it's been quite dramatic, I guess, this week. We had a, an 8% fall over the sort of the beginning of this week, um, and at one stage it touched 102. It has subsequently bounced back, but there certainly was some uh, concerns with some of the numbers coming out of China. But this uh, this big fall does probably... Um, it's probably not altogether end producers and end users and producers that are making this market. It's more speculators and people using iron ore to actually fund um, other speculation. So, um, yeah, it has bounced, which is a good thing. I hope so, because I believe uh, BHP... Our biggest for, export. Yeah, for a drop of $1 per tonne, I think BHP loses $120 million off the bottom line. And, of course, Fortescue Metals, last time the iron ore prices fell, we saw its biggest shareholder, which is Tiggy, lose a, what, a few billion dollars, but uh, yeah. 5,000 uh, staff. So it's, uh, let's hope it goes up. Well, I th- you know, when, when it did plunge down to sort of 87 level, um, Fortescue had a lot more debt on the books um, and they had a lot more staff this time around. Um, they're still making good money out of iron ore and it, if it does bounce back to sort of that 110, 115 level, uh, it'll just be a slight blip in the, um, in the, in the price scheme mm. of things. 
David Jones. Now, who stays, who goes, and are they still talking with Myers? Or, I mean, is Jennifer Hawkins going to do anything about this, or what? What's happening? Well, it appears that uh, the, the CEO, Paul Zara, of David Jones, who resigned as he was tired um, last year, has decided he's not so tired after all with the appointment this week of a new uh, chairman, Gordon Cairns, um, and Paul Zara has decided to stay on. Apparently, David Jones and Myers are still talking about some sort of merger. Um, I suspect that Paul Zara has been uh, made an offer that he can't refuse, and if there is a merger, who will run the merged entity, whether it's Zara or uh, Bernie Brooks from Meyer? We'll have to wait and see, but I'd imagine there's some seriously good carrots in that, and who would want to miss out on a payday like that when there's merger talks in the air? Mm, absolutely. I think they should put names in a hat and draw them out. Anyway, that's another story. But the, yeah. some media moguls are not warming to speculation that relaxation of media law, ownership rules, I should say, appears Mr Stokes of the Seven West Media may not want a stronger news or Fairfax. No, I mean, this is something that Malcolm Turnbull has flagged in the last uh, week or so in terms of uh, media diversity, and he thinks that now with the rise of the Internet, uh, we have a sufficiently diverse media that, um, you know, we can allow some... Some, some sort of consolidation between some of the big players, um, which is what they're desperate to do, be to try and get their fixed costs down and uh, use the same information over multi-platforms. Um, I suspect this um, this will not sit well with the uh, with with the people. Um, not, in, not in the country, especially as uh, you know, there, there, there would obviously be problems with their local news. As I'm sure it's not particularly profitable to supply that. They'd much rather do it from Sydney or Melbourne and just pump it out to everybody. So um, I'm not sure this one's going to fly. But it's uh, it's probably good for Murdoch and good for Fairfax if it did. Makes good news anyway, doesn't it? <laughs> it does make good news. Does, now indeed. it's funny you see these surveys and opinions and so forth. NAB survey of business conditions has some challenges. However, there are some good indications. There are some job vacancies showing up uh, and some construction approvals. Now, that was the NAB survey. Then I find some inconsistency with that of the Australian Industry Group, which recently showed some pick-up in confidence. And it depends on, I suppose, who's doing the survey and what. Well, I, I know from personal experience that most people who phone me up um, at 6.30 from the Philippines and want to do a survey while I'm trying to cook dinner for the kids oh, yeah, or yeah, my yeah. wife um, probably don't get the, the answers they require. Um, so I'm, I'm always a bit sus about these surveys. The, the other one that's come out this morning, which is uh, probably far more important and has been quite important for our market, is we've seen uh, a massive uh, job um, creation going on in the last month with 47,000 new jobs created, which I find absolutely amazed and I'm, I, I find it very hard to believe. Where? I, think I, saw, I, I don't know. I think I saw Santa Claus as well, who apparently is now real as well, but uh, this may be a sampling issue, but 47,000 new jobs, all the experts of which I'm not one, um, were going for around 15,000. Uh, I was on telly on Sky this morning doing the early, early shift, mm-hmm. and I thought it would be below 15,000, um, so I'm obviously completely not an expert, mm-hmm. and the, uh, the Comsec uh, experts thought it would be below 15,000 as well. And there it is, 47,000 jobs. Uh, no, it is. Uh, I've incredible. The... 80,000 full-time jobs created. I've got the answer. Where? Typographical error. Well, I think, yeah, typo mm. could explain it more than anything else. Well, the Westpac and Melbourne Institute of Consumer Confidence Survey was a little light on uh, consumer confidence. 
So mm. there's another one that's a little light on consumer. Something's wrong somewhere. I think what, what certainly 47,000 new jobs created will certainly put paid to any talk from the RBA about uh, rate cuts. Yeah. Now, what about this? We had a little mention just before we started. Uh, SPCs getting in a product into Woolworths and Coles. Why didn't this happen before? Goodness me. Seriously? It's SPC. Um, well, the SPC uh, were sort of going cap in hand to the government to ask them some sort of co-investment. The Victorian government stepped in with $22 million. And what's more important is that there was a really good social media campaign um, by people to go out and buy tins of peaches and whatever from SPC, which has been very successful. Their sales have gone through the roof. Um, and Woolies, obviously, with, with an eye to PR, with an eye to backing uh, Australian business, as they like to do on their TV commercials, have um, have signed up um, SPC for this, this five-year deal. So it, it's good news. It I is good news. And I think that might have started from some young lady in Newcastle. It was in the paper the I other day. I think it did. Yeah, we're on right. the map again, Henry. We're on the map. Oh, by the way, I've got a suggestion. How about we turn our wool into lovely cloth for Aussies? No, yeah. no, 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 no. You did no. see you did see that pig fly or whatever it was this morning. I did, it was Santa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, look out very soon. Whatever you do, do not be late with your loan payment, utility payments or whatever. What's this? Is this new credit control thing or something, isn't it? Well, I think so, yes. I mean, the, the, the default fees, or not the default fees, but the late payment fees on some of these accounts are quite... Um, quite nasty um mm. i guess so um and i think yeah, it's a credit reporting area too isn't it this uh, they're going to make uh, your yeah. record available to a lot more people or something be careful uh, yeah, I, I even saw the um i even saw the other day that um, there is a, a, a now a service which you can pay to see or get all your credit details as well to mm. see see what everybody's got on you see all the all the mm. all the nastiness they've got on you verida i think they only listed they wouldn't pay to see mine barry no that's all right mate no, oriton oriton the ladies would be interested in this one a listed axx company lost it's uh, one of its uh, businesses, uh, or one of their clients or something. Was it Polo Ralph Loren, if I pronounced that correctly? Over 25 years, 50% of its business dropped off. Um, yes. Um, Oriton uh, had a great tie-up with uh, Polo Ralph Loren, and uh, as you say, they lost that concession. Um, and as a result, it's been somewhat troubling. And they've tried to replace uh, Ralph Loren with a couple of other brands, one of which is Gap. And the other one is Brooks Brothers, which is both U.S. brands. Now, I don't know about you, Barry, but Gap, to me, hasn't got quite the same cachet as all those nice-looking polo people wandering around with good-looking horses and good-looking, you know, Argentinians with sticks in their hand, etc. It hasn't got quite the same cachet. Um, and the same with Brooks Brothers as well. It, it doesn't look quite as good. Um, so so you, you, know, wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't go out and buy a gap bag for your wife, but you would a, a no, Ralph Lauren? I mean, I mean, yeah, oh, I mean no, they, they're, no. they're competing quite heavily with some of these handbag manufacturers and, and uh, you know, not that I know any of the names. So. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. This is Thursday Finance and Barry Preston, our market snapshot at the moment with Henry Jennings. And off we head to the USA. Now, this has got to be proof that the financial world has gone completely and utterly bonkers. Now, Henry, I believe there's a company that's put out an IPO, which means an initial public offering, and it's called Virtue, which I believe is a, a high-frequency trader. Now, I'm going to let you mention this, but... To me, it's, you've got to give them 100% for being honest, but as far as confidence in their company, it's got to be zero. Now, what happened with this? 
Um, well, you're right, Barry. This is this is taking honesty to the nth degree. I have to say, there's a company in the U.S. called Virtue, which is uh, raising about 250 million to go public at a valuation of about three billion, which is all well and good. This is a high-frequency stock market trader. Now, in their prospectus, they had uh, a disclosure that the material weaknesses related to our inability to prepare accurate financial forecasts resulting from lack of current reconciliation and lack of detailed review and insufficient resources for technical accounting expertise. Now, that's pretty honest, isn't it? That is pretty honest, Gary, I've got to say. And there are still people that will buy this thing. So these are high-frequency traders that can't add up and can't actually make any sense of their own accounts, and yet they expect the public to uh, to value them at $3 billion. Good luck. As I said, the, yeah, anyway. The, the world's gone mad. The Bank of England talking about interest rates to rise. Also, I did read where the Reserve Bank of New Zealand may hike their rates. Have. Six, have they? They have this morning. They, they, they're the first developed world to raise rates this morning. So um, those four million people will be paying uh, slightly higher rates. Two point seven five percent. It went up to this morning. A quarter of a percent. Wow! Shockwaves through go. the world. Oh, shockwaves through the world as New Zealand leads the world with higher interest rates. Copper. We talked about copper just at, uh, and we, when we talk about commodities. It's been apparently used as some form of security for loans in China. Now, it seems that it may be starting to unfold, hence the price of copper dropped approximately 10%. China, I believe, is cracking down on hot money. I didn't realise there were hot, hot there was copper. Hot, oh, hot copper, yeah. I didn't believe there was hot money in China. Well, there's, there's a lot of hot money in China. Most of the hot money in China has been going into the property sector and with all the uh, the investment that's been going on there with loads and loads and loads of empty flats with no lights on at night. Um, and what they do is they use um, commodities um, basically to, to fund um, these sorts of loans. And when commodities start to fall, um, the people that loan the money want more money um, from you as collateral. Um, so all you have to do is, is sell some of your um, commodity to give you more money to fund the, the, the loan. So it's kind of a vicious cycle. It's a bit like margin lending on shares, that when the market goes down, you owe, um, you have to top up with your, with your own money, otherwise you have to sell the shares. So, of course, that just exaggerates the movements up and down. So they think this is one of the reasons why both copper and iron ore have been particularly weak in the last week or so. Only time will tell. The Bank of Japan is going to keep interest rates the same, but it's going to go bigger on its stimulus, whilst off the other side mm. of the world, the USA is tapering its stimulus. Now, who's right, who's wrong? I have no idea. No it just idea. seems bizarre that the Japanese... Have, the government's been pressurising companies to pay their workers more. That, that makes complete sense. Um, to get their inflation up and to pump billions of billions into the economy while over in the US they're pumping billions of billions into the economy which isn't having any effect really on the economy all it's doing is pushing Wall Street higher and higher as more and more people pile into what is seen as a one-way bet on Wall Street so um, this has all the potential to end in tears and Henry I just saw a pig fly past the window here having said that keep safe we'll see you next week Pleasure, Barry. Thank you. A market snapshot with Henry Jennings. Uh, This is Thursday Finance. Barry Preston, we're looking at new pension payments, amongst other things. Of course, we have our regular guest, Diane Jones, Financial Information Services Officer with Centrelink with over 21, must be 22 years experience now, and she's going to... uh, Pardon? 
We won't add up how many years oh, it is. I, I know. I've, yeah, I just put 22. I'm sorry about yeah. that, Dorian. How are you? <laughs> I'm very well, Marion. Okay. I believe there are new pension payments coming into effect soon. What are they? Yeah, we um, have got a payment increase for about 3.6 million pensioners from the 20th of March. This is our regular indexation of pensions from uh, March and September each year. And now, in view of these new payments, we'll get those what they are in a moment, will there be any movements in the limits of the pensions? First of all, what are they and will there be movements in the limits? Particularly for I know that you'll have some uh, self-funded retirees who are living off superannuation or other investments, then it's important that they know that there's a new cut-off limit and they should check their assets and income to see whether they'll now be under the limit and maybe should be applying for a part pension. Now, these figures will be on our website uh, in a week's time on the 20th of March, but if, if they've got a pen and a paper, we can give them the cut-off limits now so they can check the figures and see whether they should be doing something about claiming some pension. So what are they? So for a single homeowner, the assets test cut-off limit will be $758,570, so that's apart from their home. For Mm -hmm. couples, that cut-off limit apart from their home is $1,126,500. And for non-homeowners, the limits are $142,000 higher. Ah, so 142000 gets higher on it. Hmm. Now, there is hmm. an income test cut-off limit as well. And um, again, we get some people who are old enough for an age pension but who are still working. Depending on, you know, what their wages are, they could be entitled to a part-rate pension. A lot of people presume that if they're still working, they can't get an age pension, but it does depend on how much they're earning. So the cut-off limits are for a single pensioner, about 47881 and for couples, about 73247 combined income. So it's worthwhile waiting for a little while. And when do you say they're going to be on the website? 20th, 20th of March. So a week today is when the, the rates, um, uh, pension rates increase and the cut-off limits um, uh, will also increase uh, on that day. What's the website? Uh, human Services. .gov.au. So there's information not just about pension payments, about Medicare, all of them come under human services. And of course, we, like many other countries, are seeing ageing populations. And should we as individuals be planning when we're getting near pension age, especially when only one of the uh, couple is working? Yeah, most definitely. Um, I mean, retirement's a major life change. Planning is very important. So let's go through those pension, how much the pension is actually going up. Now, for single pensioners, the increase um, is $15.70 a fortnight. So that brings the maximum pension, including supplements, up to 842.80. And for a pensioner couple, it's going up $11.90 a fortnight each, up to a maximum of $635.30 a fortnight each. Okay. Now, yes, go on. Um, so what I was going to say about planning, I guess it's about getting information about how the income and ass- assets test works well in advance of when you're coming up to retirement to claim an age pension. Um, understanding how all the rules work is pretty important part of, of, of making a claim. And certainly the financial information service officers uh, like myself can help with that sort of information either through a person attending one of our regular seminars which we have advertised on the website, 
or or organising a one-on-one appointment time to sit down and have a look at individual circumstances to explain how the rules work and any opportunities to uh, rearrange things. Fair enough. Now, this is a fairly technical question, but I know last time we spoke we were looking at Centrelink mm. uh, dealing with uh, beneficiaries under a will and mm. estates and all that sort of thing. Now, some wills, I believe, have what's called a testamentary trust and the beneficiaries operating under that will. Does that have any effect on the pension situation? It can. It can. I guess when, when a trust is set up, Centrelink rules will try to establish some information to work out whether we should be including the assets and income of that trust um, as part of the individual's uh, assets and income, so whether that's going to affect the pension or not. So some of the things that we'll be looking at is, who's, was it your partner who set up that uh, trust arrangement in their will? Um, should we be including those assets and income? And who's the trustee? And could they be expected to um, act in accordance with your wishes? So it's all about deciding whether the assets and the income are going to be included as your assets and income when we work out your pension rate. So it's important to speak with Centrelink on that. Thursday Finance, and what a lot there always is to find out about Centrelink, Barry Preston. And we're talking with Diane Jones. This is always a sensitive question and things, how to handle it and so forth. But fraud, this costs us all. Not as a number of people think the government, but it taxpayers' money that we're looking at here. Now, what can one do if someone knows that uh, they're misusing Centrelink services? Yeah, I mean, you're right. Most people are honest and use the the government services fairly, but people who do have information about someone who's misusing uh, services, whether that's uh, receiving Centrelink payments or Medicare service, then it's important that people know how they can report that to us. And it's important to know that they can remain anonymous. You don't have to provide your details. And I guess the two main ways you can let us know, there is um, an Australian Government Services fraud tip-off line. So you can phone us and give us that information over the phone. Um, Or there's also an online form. If you have a computer and you've got the internet, you can fill out that information online and submit it online. Um, So either option would work. Um, but that phone line that uh, people can phone with information is 131524. 131524 for reporting fraud. Yep. Yes. If you're going to our website, thehumanservices.gov.au, if you just search in the search button for fraud, it will bring up the information about how you can go about reporting that to us and that online form you can use um, uh, to report that. There's some confusion, obviously, and you probably get these questions quite regularly, but about uh, what figure can one earn and does it include interest dividends? Uh, if you're receiving a pension, you can earn something, can't you? Yeah, What that's can? Right. What is it? The Centrelink, we add your total income altogether, and if you're single, you can have an income of 156 a fortnight before you start losing pension. Mm-hmm. For couples, 276 a fortnight. So income for the pension can include what we're deeming or presuming you're earning from money in the bank or shares or other investments, if you've got a superannuation pension or if you're working still for wages. And we are getting more people who are on an age pension who are doing some part-time or casual work. Mm. So there are special rules about 
um, wages income that um, we've mentioned yeah. before, but it's always good to mention again. It certainly is. Diane, thank you very much indeed for imparting a lot more of that knowledge and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Keep safe. Thank you, Barry. And that brings us to the end of Finance Thursday Finance today. Coming up, we've got news from the Hunter Newsroom at 1 o'clock. And after that, uh, Julian Campbell will be along with Business, the Law and You. Thank you, Barry Preston. Thank you, Jane. Keep safe, everybody. And Thursday Finance comes along next Thursday after the midday news on 2NURFM.